0: So we're going to continue today on the the sermon series Life and Death, and and Pastor Sean has been delivering the Word of God in a powerful way. and And I don't know about you, but I've I've been challenged uh, in a mighty way to the point that I'm up here today simply walking on nubs. I have no toes left to step on. Uh, I'm I'm just hobbling. So if you guys that are in the front, if I happen to fall over, if you could pick me up, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but I have to lay the groundwork to where this message actually originated from, and it actually goes all the way back to four weeks ago on the last sermon of the sermon series, Revival. And so Pastor Sean preached a message, and the title of it was, The Journey is the Destination. And, And I mean, he he really laid it out to the point of, of saying that, that God is, is in the journey. And and I'm going to tell you, I personally struggle with that. A lot of it has to do with just my personality. Uh, I'm extremely driven. I'm extremely goal-oriented. I set something out there, and I just give 100% to achieve that goal. I'm goal-oriented. That's just the way my personality works. And when he talked about the the journey, Is the destination, I kind of struggle with that because to me, the destination is the goal, and I'm extremely goal oriented. And so it was causing a little discord in my spirit. So I was thinking, I'm going to chew on this a little bit because I feel like God has a deeper message for me. And so I continued to chew on it and I reflected back. You know, even in my occupation, I'm constantly uh, pointing people, hey, let's don't get so caught up in the journey that we lose sight of the destination. And so he's sitting here saying God's in the journey, and I'm pointing people away from the journey to the destination. And so, I mean, there was an inner struggle happening uh, on a consistent basis. And so I'm 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 trying to to get the revelation that God wants me to have, and because it even penetrated my own spiritual life. Because my favorite scripture is Philippians three, thirteen and fourteen, where it says, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended." But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Again, goal, destination, oriented, focused. And I'm thinking, God, what is wrong with that? But I do feel like you're trying to teach me something because the truth is, if God is in the journey, I want to be in the journey and the destination. And so, as I continue to pray about that and seek out that... God spoke to me and he said, your soul focused on the destination is because you have a whole lot of confidence in your ability to meet the destination. You're partnering with me and you know that I'm gonna be faithful. But the reason that you don't wanna focus on the journey is because you know through the journey there's gonna be trials and struggles and things that you can't control. And you always have to be in control. And so I struggled with that and I, I receive that. That's a tough word to receive, but I receive that and say, Well God, I want you to be everything in my life. I want to be everything that you want me to be. And so I'm going to lean into that and, and God is working on me in that area. Don't don't get me wrong. God is a, a very key component of my life. But there's always areas that we can grow in. Amen. And so as I begin to think about this and think about this situation and pray about, okay, God, what, what are the next steps? He communicated to me that he says, you know what? You will continue to fight the same fights over and over again until you give me control. The word says that he must increase and I must decrease. And until I'm willing to give him all of that, he says, I will continue to face the same battles and I won't see him in the journey and be able to experience the journey until that point. So I went on a pilgrimage to find exactly what the word of God and what the Spirit of God wants to speak to me, and I'm just going to kind of share that because I don't believe that I'm the only person, perhaps, that's in that place. It might not be control, but it might be something else that God needs to be part of your life on. And and I'm going to say a strong word right now, and I hope it's received just like I'm, I'm open and honest with you. I had a guy come down last night, and he said, "You know what." I am right there with you. And I've been telling myself for weeks I need to go down front and get prayer. And your word helped me get to that level to where I need to get to. So if me bearing my soul to you guys gets you to respond to the Holy Spirit, then what else do you want to know? Because that's my goal and objective. But let me share this one strong word that I felt the Lord tell me two Wednesdays ago in Wednesday morning prayer. Shameless plug. Wednesday morning prayer, 7 o'clock here at the church. But I'm over here and I'm praying, seeking the face of God, and I hear one more word. And he tells me, he says, if you're counting someone else to fail, if you're counting on someone else to fail, just so you can be right, I am not in that. If you're counting on someone else to fail just to justify how you're viewing the situation, I am not in that. So I don't know who's that for. I don't know what context. I don't know if that's a person, a relationship, a situation. I don't know what that is. But just as I leaned into how God spoke to me, can I encourage you to lean into that if that's you? That God has got a special word for you if you will just let the Holy Spirit Work. So going back to my pilgrimage of, okay, God, I want to learn, I want to grow. And so he directed me to the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is a letter written to the church of Ephesus. It was different than perhaps some of his other letters that he wrote because before he's always writing to a specific person or he's all, always writing to address a specific need. But in the book of Ephesus, it can actually be broken down into to, in the book of Ephesians. It can actually be broken down into two separate parts. The first three chapters are really addressing the place of the believer in Christ and part two is addressing the behavior Of the believer in the world and so in context you're looking at a believer's journey which is why I felt God directed me to this and so what we're gonna talk about today is some things that are gonna help us through that journey that can in turn result in life or death and so we're gonna begin with Ephesians chapter 6 and we're gonna start in verse 10 through 18 And it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. for all saints. And so, pretty much just to to summarize this scripture, and we're going to kind of dig into it here in just a minute, but to summarize this scripture is Paul is trying to create an awareness of one who we're fighting and the importance of putting on the whole armor of God. And so, when I thought about that word awareness... Uh, It made me think of of situational awareness. Now, situational awareness is is a uh, subject or a concept that I got introduced to by some of our law enforcement here. Uh, I I know uh, Jake Phillips does some some self-defense training and situational awareness training and things like that. And and so what I wanted to do is to kind of get a better understanding of, of this awareness or situational awareness. I had to expose myself to an environment that would put me in a situation to where I need to be situational aware so just take a quick watch of this video clip All right church so it's Chris here on location again uh, I'm excited about um, the adventure that I'm going to take you guys through today. I'm not going to be climbing any hills or anything like that but I, I do have quite an adventure of course uh, as you can see I'm going to be going on a ride along today with one of kansas city's finest and so um looking for a lot of exciting action a lot of opportunities to to kind of share um can i have a gun no no what i can have a taser though right no no taser and I don't, even have, I don't even have a vest, so I, I, I'm not getting out of the car. So anyway, I'm excited about, uh, about today and the adventure. We're going to have a great time, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a lot to share afterwards. All right, guys, so things are starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, we just uh, got a chance to turn on the sirens. Of course, at that time, I busted out with, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do, what you going to do? anyway, uh, Jake was a good sport about that. Uh, he had to like, Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that. So uh, anyway, um, we're, we're protecting, we're serving, we're doing great things today, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be uh, an exciting day, so stay tuned. All right, so we've been driving around, and um, I, have, I now understand uh, what the V8 Hemi is capable of. Uh, that's been exciting, a little scary. Um, but I, I'm just not satisfied with the looks that I'm getting as I drive by people and look in their cars because they need to respect me because we the po That's That's where we're at. So I figured out what it was. So I had Jake stop. Give me some glasses. Now it's on. Let's do this. All right, so our next activity is going to be running radar. Um, Unfortunately, there's going to be some people's days that are going to be a little bit worse off, uh, but it's a necessary evil, again, for public safety. So um, I'm actually kind of excited about chasing someone down that was speeding, but um, as long as it's not me. All right, so let's see what happens. All right, so we uh, we just stopped our first speeder. Uh, it was exciting, we went really, really fast, and um, we pulled them over, uh, gave them a ticket and um, I'll be honest with you, I kind of felt bad uh, because now this person has a ticket. How much are your tickets? That was $99. $99, so I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but slow so we just stopped another perpetrator speeder perpetrator. yeah so uh they were going really fast so um they probably should have got a ticket but um but yeah and jake admitted that he, when he walked back to the car the glasses they're, they're definitely what i needed uh very intimidating right yes absolutely excellent, excellent. we're watching you all right guys so the journey's over uh, it was an awesome experience. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, Jake gave me the opportunity to kind of ride along with him, and uh, the, probably the one regret that I had was we never stopped to get donuts. I mean, come on, cops and donuts? Anyway, uh, it was an awesome experience, uh, but to tell you a little bit more about what we learned, uh, we'll turn it back over to Chris. I never thought I'd be talking to myself on video. That's really, really strange. So, um, but, but again, let me, let me just preface this. I, I have to say that. If you're in law enforcement, thank you for what you do. All right. I'm sorry, I have to make life fun and, and laughable and, you know, because my life can be extremely comical, but I don't want to take away from what you guys do on a regular basis. You're extremely underappreciated and I appreciate you. So, um, so situational awareness. It, it, I didn't get a chance to video it. I was limited on what I could video and so that's why, I don't know if you were expecting an episode of Cops, but you did not get that, um, but... I, uh, it was very interesting, as, as Jake kind of took me through every situation, what he was being aware of, you know, what he was recognizing throughout the process. When you break down the, what situational awareness is, it's just that. It's simply being aware, aware of the who, what, when, where, why, and how of what is going on in your environment. And so he would speak to when we rolled up to a car that perhaps we pulled over for speeding or something like that, he would point out the different things that he was recognizing and making note of to be aware of the environment. And and the benefits of that is having situational awareness, what it does is it allows you to gain an accurate picture of your current circumstances and environment to potentially eliminate or reduce blind spots. It also helps provide understanding of... Future and potential outcomes and also can result in a competitive advantage with shaping the final outcome And so as great as situational awareness is for that occupation and even for us as individuals It's extremely important for us as believers to have spiritual awareness And I think that's what paul is trying to get across in in the book of Ephesians is creating a sense of spiritual awareness and just how there's benefits to situational awareness. There's also benefits to spiritual awareness. And the first benefit that I want to speak to today of spiritual awareness is it increases our sensitivity to our environment. This is extremely important because whether we realize it or not, there is an enemy out there That his one objective is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And that we are called as believers to have a sense of awareness. We read in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16 where it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so Jesus is speaking to the disciples as he's sending them out to be witnesses and ambassadors for him. And he's saying, hey... Understand that you're going to be in an environment to where there's wolves and people trying to take away and don't be deceived. We've got to be wise in that. And I think we as believers can take that to heart and apply that to our everyday lives. Because whether we realize it or not, that there is an attack on us just through osmosis, just being part of this world. The scripture talked about that we are in this world, but not of this world. And we need to be mindful and aware and careful because if we're not careful the subtle nature of whether it be our peer groups whether it be social media whether it just be the environment of this world society, our culture can over time begin to desensitize us from certain things. And our lives and our lifestyles and our family values can begin to be shaped by culture and society And the repetition is intended to desensitize us simply to make certain things the norm. And when things become the norm, then we get comfortable in them. And then when we get comfortable, sin starts seeping in. And before you know it, we're walking around this world comfortable in our sin. And so it's extremely important for us to understand and have that level of spiritual awareness that God has called us out to be wise as serpents, that we need to be careful, that we need to have a sense of spiritual awareness that this attack is coming against us. And that's why it's continuing to be important that we keep God first and foremost in our lives, on every basis, on every facet. That we come in here on Sundays, but it's not just about being in the presence of God on Sundays. But we have to take him when we leave here because there's an enemy out there designed to draw us away from God. But God wants to be with us each and every day of our lives. The second benefit of spiritual awareness is recognize the true enemy. We hit on this in Ephesians. We're going to go back to Ephesians 6 and verse 12 where it says... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So to help me with this illustration, I'm going to ask my two boys if they would go ahead and come up and you guys give them a round of applause as they come. All right, so these are my two boys 24, is that right? 24, 18. So come a little closer, a little closer, a little clo- Um, <laughs> just, You guys just grab a seat. You just kind of show me up already and you just got up here. i tell you what. So I brought them up here because I want to speak to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a, a bomb on you guys, so I, I think you need to hold your seat. So, you've got an adult male in a house, and you've got two young adult males that have a mind of their own. Are you ready for this? At times, there's conflict. <laughs> Imagine that, right? I mean, that is brand new information. I had no idea that that was the situation. But understand that the scripture talks about that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and against powers. And so when there's conflict, me and my spiritual awareness, I have a responsibility to recognize that. And even in communication with them, I have communicated just that, hey, I'm not mad at you. Because they are not the enemy. And the reason that's so critical and important is because the devil wants nothing more to sever that relationship. Because, see, I have a responsibility as a parent. I use the analogy of of me and my wife, we are the bumpers in a bowling lane. Be honest, who still uses the bumpers? Okay. We're bumpers in the bowling lane, and they're independently rolling down this lane, and whenever they want to potentially veer... In a direction that might put them in a the gutter. We're there just to kind of bump them. But on the spiritual component. I have a responsibility to continue to point them. And lead them toward the cross. In a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the enemy wants nothing more. Than to create a wedge. In that dynamic. In that relationship. To negatively affect that component of it. Can I tell you. Just as. When we have conflict, flesh and blood is not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your job is not the enemy. Your situation is not the enemy. But there is a deeper warfare going on. And so it's extremely important that we have spiritual awareness and we recognize that. Because what happens is when we truly recognize that, then we can fight and address the true enemy. And we can take authority over it that we have through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And so I encourage you guys to to do just that as as we're talking about Paul and, and, and as God has taken me on this journey, this pilgrimage, to find out exactly what it means. That spiritual awareness is extremely critical in our everyday walks with God when it comes to being sensitive to our environment, but also understanding who the true enemy is. Give my boys a hand. And then thirdly, the third benefit of spiritual awareness is going to be our approach can affect our outcome. So as God began to speak to me on this subject, I kind of get, started getting pumped up and excited because I'm just extremely competitive by nature. I was sharing this with our life group uh, this, this past week. That I can get extremely intense about things that I care a lot about. And if I don't want to get overly competitive, I kind of psych myself out that I just really don't care about it. So one example of that is men's basketball. I used to be okay. Okay. But I am no good anymore. I'm just going to just throw it out there. And so when I attend men's basketball, I just, it's a big joke to me. I'm out there and I'm having fun and I'm joking. Secretly down deep, I kind of care. But I psych myself out to think, oh, it's no fun. And I just foul you a lot and I do all that stuff. So I have to psych myself out. But the truth is when it comes to my relationship with God and my walk with God, I'm extremely passionate about it. And so when we were talking about, and, and, and God was uh, directing me in this, in this place of our approach affects our outcome, I wanted, it, I, I wanted the answer and the, and the diamonds and the rough that I was going to find. I was looking for scriptures that I was going to be able to punch the devil in the teeth and punch him in the mouth and do all these. I mean, I, I wanted to over-dramatize. I mean, I, I wanted uh, Mel Gibson in what's that movie? What is it? Braveheart. Braveheart. So I wanted to corral the group and I wanted to get them excited and I wanted to get the army all fired up and, and let's go attack and, you know, or Gandalf. I don't know what generation you're from, Gandalf and all his, I wanted to release the Kraken. I wanted everything. (laughs) And so then when I'm, I'm going through this and I'm trying to figure out, okay, God, we, I'm creating this spiritual awareness and I understand that that the, uh, our approach can affect our outcome. How do I need to approach this, this battle and this fight and things like that? And I come across James chapter 4 and verse 7. And it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You talk about anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, I am wanting a war. I'm wanting droves to come. And the scripture speaks, oh, we just got to resist him. I mean, I was like, boring. I mean, come on. I wanted something exciting. But isn't that really kind of what we do? As We make things more difficult than it actually is. But I said, you know, no, there's more out there. I just haven't dug far enough. Because when you look at the word resist, I was like, okay, it's, it means to stand or withstand or oppose. And I was like, okay, well, even in that posture, when, when I even look at that word resist, I'm thinking I've got something of value, and I'm, I'm trying to resist. So at least if nothing else, there's a struggle in my mind of what resist means. And so I'm like, so, so there's more there. I just got to keep looking. And so I go back to Ephesians chapter 6, our original context. And so I'm just going to highlight a couple of words. You guys don't have to pull it up. but It goes on to say, Put on the whole armor of God. I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere because we're about to go to battle. He's telling us to put on an armor. That's when we have a sword and we cut people's heads off and stuff. I don't know. As I say that, I see a kid. Yeah, in the audience, I'm thinking, man, I should have kept that one to myself. So, but again, we are able to affect and have great damage on the enemy. I've got a sword. I've got a helmet. I mean, we're about to go to battle. But verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil stand and we go on to read it for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore taking to you the whole armor of god okay it's building up that you may be able to withstand the evil day in having done all to stand stand therefore and so here I'm getting geared up for something just, you know, just melodramatic and just powerful. And the scripture is telling me that I need to resist. And at times that's putting on the armor of God and just standing. But that's just it. We, we make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. The gospel is simple death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A relationship with him is just simple, just accepting and receiving him and and walking in him. So I want to go over with you what a posture of resist actually looks like. And and I'm not going to blow your mind. It's going to be really simple. The posture of resistance, the first posture of resistance is simply prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and verse 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be na- made known unto God. Every morning, I start my day with prayer. That's just how I work, it works best for me. I'm able to get some momentum for the day, and so I pray. And I started doing something unintentional and now I've started doing it intentionally. Is I would get I I start my day, I I go to my office, it's quiet there, and I just pray and I walk around and I, I operate that way. But of course, you know, then something work related will pull me away and then I'll get distracted and I'll start working after my prayer time. And I noticed I I wasn't really ending my prayer or saying amen. And then I was, and I almost apologized at first. I was like, you know, God, I'm sorry. I I didn't even pay attention. I mean, that's rude. That's like hanging up on somebody and not saying bye. So I got to thinking about that, and and I'm like, but you know, the word amen is almost a universal sign that a prayer is over. I don't want the prayer to be over. I want God to walk with me every facet of my day. And so now I intentionally quit saying amen when I finish. I may say a prayer or whatever, and I'll say in Jesus' name, and then it's like, all right, let's go together to work. You know, that's just the way that, that God works. And, and, and the truth is that's a, a posture of resistance, is that the situations that you're going to face every day, the struggles that you're going to encounter, life, when it's thrown at you, If you have a posture of prayer and have that that communication with him on a daily basis, that's exactly where he wants you to be. And can I tell you that, hey, prayer still works. Prayer still changes things. Even today, I, I don't know what it was yesterday. I don't know what I did. But my calf muscles were killing me to the point that I am at my office praying again this morning and thinking, man, my legs are killing me. I'm going to have to sit down during worship. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? I have the authority. And I just lean down and begin to pray for my cat. My fat calves feel great right now. Because prayer still works. And that is a posture of resistance as we go through life. The second posture of resistance is going to be worship. Psalms... Chapter 7, verse 17 says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. If you look at the context of this scripture, read the first 16 verses, David here is speaking about him being persecuted. And he's praying for the demise of this individual that's persecuting him. And all of these negative things, and I'll, again, be honest with you, you know, He was praying some things that I want to do, you know, like I was talking about. I want something really hard to happen with the devil and the enemy and stuff. And he's praying all these things of God's going to do this and almost prophesying God's going to do this and God's going to do this. And, you know, and so then we get down to verse 17, David's part in all this. Oh, I'm going to praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And I'm going to sing praise to the Lord most high. The vengeance is the Lord, and our posture of resistance is worship. I pulled about a few months back, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I pulled two teenagers aside with their mom, and I said, hey, I have to share something with you. I said, when it comes time of worship, I said, I'm normally focused. Uh, There's an audience of one. You guys are not even here And so I'm just consumed by worship. I said, but I could, for some reason, I was opening my eyes a little bit more today, and I I couldn't help but see you guys at the corner of my eye. And the way that you were worshiping was extremely authentic. Was extremely, you, you could just feel the connection just by watching them. And I told them that day. I said, you know what? it was truly that you It was it, you could feel that you were connecting with them. And I said, don't ever, ever lose that. I said, if you maintain that posture of worship throughout your life, it will take you through so many things in life. I don't know about you guys, but, but when I came in here today, I'm gonna leave a lot different. Why? Because there was an incredible spirit of worship. That's the second kind of... Uh, the benefit of of resistance or the posture of resistance, prayer, worship. And the third thing is the word. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10 says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. I have to stop right here. Listen, I know that that we're on a sermon series of life and death and the power of the words and uh what's the sermon series? Winning with our words. What are we blessing? Careless words. But the devil is trying to tempt Jesus. He's just dumb. I mean, come on, let's just let's just throw it out there. I mean, it's just let's just be real about it, that I don't know what he's thinking, but he's making an effort to try and attack Jesus himself. And he's saying, he said, And when he fasted four days and forty nights, afterward and hungered, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live but by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So a couple things to make note of is Jesus responded to the tempter with, it is written. And I'm not surprised that the enemy tried to attack him in a, a point of, of desperation. The enemy's going to attack you at the point when, when you are in such great need, when you are broken down, when you are weary But how did Jesus remain victorious? Is he went to the word and spoke out the word as his posture of resistance. We read on where it says, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. And Jesus responds again, For it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and then shall hands bear. I'm sorry, that's, that's the enemy. And so it's, it's so interesting as we continue to read this. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt tempt the Lord thy God. You know, so I thought it was interesting here as I read through the scripture that even the enemy knows the word and wants to try and use it to his advantage. But the word is not going to contradict each other. I don't know about you, but personally, I have even caught myself trying to use the word to justify my actions as an individual. Like I said, I'm extremely passionate, so therefore, I can lose my temper at times. And my attitude was always, well, Jesus dumped over the, temples, the, the tables in the temples. But the scripture always talks about how we're supposed to carry ourselves and how we're supposed to walk. And so I rebuke that on on a regular basis because that's obviously not a posture of resistance. So we continue on. It says, and again in verse 8, The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence Satan, for it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So again, the message that I'm trying to get away and and deliver today is, is very simple. Because the gospel is simple. And that is, as we continue on our lives, as we continue on the journey for relationship with God, it is imperative that we have spiritual awareness And it is imperative that we have that posture of resistance. Why? Because it can be the difference between life and death. As the worship team comes back up, I just want to share a couple things more than anything, probably key takeaways, and that is I don't know where you're at today. I don't know perhaps what struggles you have or or what things that that are coming at you, but I do know this, that God is sitting there waiting for you to reach out to him. That if you first and foremost just take on that posture of resistance to say, man, I feel so attacked. I, I've got things that I'm struggling with that no one knows about. I haven't shared with anybody. But God is waiting right there for you to take on that simple posture of resistance and say, God, I need help. And I promise you that we serve a God that is faithful, that is going to come in and intervene in the situation. So whether you're in a situation of battle or whether you're in a situation to where God just wants you to grow in him, that we're all here for a specific purpose. And you have to be honest with God. Just like I let God speak to me, yeah, the guy that preached in the sermon, God speak to me and, and share tough things with me to challenge me and help me grow. God wants to share things with you that is specific and designed for your walk and your relationship with him. So as we all stand today, I want to pray a prayer over us as we enter back into worship. And that is one, that we just let God be God in our life. God is a gentleman and he is not going to force himself upon you. But God wants to be something deeper. God wants to penetrate our lives to a level that we can have that joy unspeakable and full of glory lifestyle that he talks about in his word. So I'm going to pray today that you let God be God. That you say, hey God, there's some struggles that I'm facing right now. That I have tried and tried and tried to face them alone, but but I can't do it. That I need your help. And I'm going to recognize that I'm not fighting the physical thing, the addiction, the the relationship, but that there's a deeper battle that I'm fighting. And God, I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to bring it to you with a posture of prayer, a posture of worship, and a posture of of your word, and I'm going to believe that you're going to be faithful. So let's pray. God, I, I come before you right now, knowing that you're here, knowing that you have heard us today. God, you've spoken uh, through two individuals. God, a special word for this body. God, and we thank you so much, God, for, for being here and being faithful. God, and we just, as we continue to, to walk in you, God, I pray that the seeds that were spoken today will be planted and grow. God, that we'll truly see the revelation, Lord, of who we are in you and understand that, Lord, you are there, God, to fight our battles. We love you. We thank you for that. And we surrender to you today in Jesus' name. Let's worship again.